Hello and welcome back to another episode of Cycling Talk Podcast with me, Georgia Mahoney. I'm really excited to share this episode with you today because I'm joined by Bahrain victorious rider, Fred Wright. Fred has achieved so much already in his career and this weekend he will be starting his first ever Tour de France. Thank you for joining me today, Fred. No worries, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on a podcast. It's- I listen to podcasts quite a lot when I'm when I'm training, so it's always it's nice to nice to be on one. What are some of your early memories of being on a bike? This one's hard because you kind of you don't know whether the memories are what you've been told by your parents or what you can actually remember. You know, like I don't know whether yeah, but I I'd like to think I remember getting my first I think this goes into the next, but getting my first bike, my first like proper bike with pedals. I don't think I don't remember any of the you know the stuff on like a balance bike or anything like that. I think I you you I think you pretend to remember those things because you you know you see videos and you're like oh yeah I remember when I did that but I think in reality <laughs> I think I can only remember when I was sort of maybe four or five and got my first um, first proper bike. What's the first bike that you remember being really excited about? So I think that that's that yeah that's kind of handy because that was that first bike was um yeah the company were called i think they're called like pucky p-u-k-y i don't know they were like quite a good kids bike but my dad had painted it all black and made it like a batman bike so um i do i do actually have a memory about that in seeing that in the house so yeah (laughs) my first bike (laughs) do you remember your first race um I do actually. I remember my, my first. Well, it wasn't really a race. It was kind of part of the first time I went to the Hernhill Velodrome, which is the local velodrome near me. And you know, the first time we sort of, I got into doing a bit of basically just fun sessions on the at the summer holiday club when I was sort of eight or nine. And I remember doing like a. It was you do like fun training races, and I I I do remember my first my first sort of training race that I did, and it. Yeah, I kind of straight away was like, oh, wow, this is, I really like this. <laughs> I really like this. So we part of a local club? Yes, I owe a lot to my local club, which is the VCL. You've probably heard of, yeah, based in, based in Hernhill. It's Velo Club de Londres. I'm not quite sure why it's French, why the, why it's French. <laughs> What's that, what that's got to do with anything, but no, it's uh, yeah, Velo Club de Londres. It's the full, but VCL is better. Sounds better. So, which disciplines were you riding? Um, I was riding. I was actually doing quite a lot. I was doing. I was quite like doing mountain biking actually. With the other, there's another sort of kids club called the Hernhill Youth that do mountain biking, and I was. I really like that part. Mostly just do mountain biking and track, which is quite a weird combination when you. But actually, when I, you know, when I was ten, it it was perfect. You know. That was, but that was right at the beginning, and then the mountain biking kind of. To be honest, I think it was just because I wasn't as good as, <laughs> as I wasn't as good at it as I was on the track. So I kind of ended up just doing mostly track to begin with. Did you like to do any other sport? Um, I always liked playing football. I, I still, you know, I still like playing football now. If you know, if I've got time in off season and I'm just play it really safe, obviously I don't want to get injured. But I would love, I love having a little kick about with my mates. But I'm not. I'm really not very good at it. <laughs> but I think as a sport, I, I did enjoy. I played it a little bit. I think I played for the school team once or twice, but I don't remember being very good at all. <laughs> what sort of training were you doing, and who with? Um, I think that's what why a lot to the my cycling club because you, you know I'd always just do. It's, it's you know it never seemed like training when I was up up until I was sort of maybe even you know 15 16 because we it would just be a case of okay the, the, in a week you've got however many sessions at Herman Velodrome you know supported by the club mm-hmm. and I just go down and train with you know fre- basically just train with friends and that was the that was what training was but it, you know it doesn't you wouldn't call it training you'd be like oh you're doing Friday nights or you're doing Monday night racing or what you know like or track league or something it's, that's what I'm so grateful for um, yeah that aspect of it. Tell me about your first national event. First national event. I think my first proper national event, I was 
was when I was first year under 12, it was probably the, for the National Omnium finals when I was, when I was the first year. And I, I don't remember it going very well. I think it was, I was really disappointed because I'd done really well in like the, the regional rounds beforehand and qualified. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, going to be good. But yeah, I just remember, I think it was like, maybe, I think it was Sophie Capewell and Charlotte Broughton. I don't know if you've heard of them, them two. They were, back in the under 12 days, they were like a big, big hitters, you know, because the girls and the boys would race together. And I remember getting absolutely battered by them two and feeling a little bit, <laughs> a little bit rubbish. But yeah, that was my first. It's a good, there's a funny photo of me and a few, a few of the others. And I've got a pair of green Crocs on, on the podium. <laughs> From that first national that I did. Who was supporting you to get to all of the events that you were going to and did you have to do a lot of travel? Yeah, I mean, you know, as as a youth, you kind of, the amount of money, you know, the amount that your parents have to, amount of money they have to put in to travel you about and get all the equipment and all that stuff. I mean, I I owe so much to my my family, my parents. And also, yeah, my dad's, um, one of my dad's friends sort of, his his dad sponsored me with a pair of wheels and stuff like that. So we were kind of collecting help from from different people. But I think it's it's safe to say that cycling's a really um, it's quite a you know you've got your parents have to be rich enough to to support you, and it's that's what I'd like to think I I want to try and as well as being a professional or whatever I'd want to try and make it. I don't know how yet, but I'd like to make it more accessible because it is. I feel very grateful that I grew up in a family that could support my cycling when I was that young. But there are definitely lots of kids that have lots of potential that just don't, yeah, definitely. you know, don't have those that money. So it's... Especially nowadays with all of the smart trainers and everything, kids are sort of expected to have the money to be able to get everything. No, definitely. I mean, yeah, now even now, yeah, now, like you said, the smart smart trainers, di two things are more getting more and more expensive which is you know less and less you know less good for young kids getting into the sport because the kid that they're racing against has got a pair of specialized shoes s-work shoes or whatever i remember being so jealous of the kit that some people would have i think my dad my dad did really well my dad did really well of kind of bigging up the kit that i had because it was never that good but he'd always kind of oh but you've got this this frame on from ebay and it's you know it's great but but I, I, now I, I really appreciate that because I think that's important to not not worry about the kit too much. What do you remember about your first international race? <laughs> I, I, was, I couldn't think of what my first international race was. And this is, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, this, this question, I don't really... First international race? Oh, no, it would have been... It would have been um, I went to the, the Assen Youth Tour when I was when I was 12. So that's actually quite young to be going to international, doing an international race. But that was, that was really cool actually. And it was almost like, a, it's like a holiday really. In fact, you kind of go camping and then race at the same time. I don't know if you've heard, you've heard of it or you tour us and it was, I think it's still, still probably not with COVID, but it's been going for ages. So. When did you become part of a British cycling programme? Um, when I was first year under 16, I before they had the before it was it used to be I think it's, it was it's better now they've got a wider range of you know they they introduced the it's called the ODA where there's like more mm. under 16s on like the national squad but when I was first under 16 I got I was on the talent team which was only there was only like eight or nine of us and yeah that was really cool like again like that was kind of when I started thinking wow this is something that I really want to do as a yeah as a job you know. How did it feel the first time that you represented Great Britain? And can you tell me about the event? Um, it would have been probably a junior track race in Holland, I reckon, when I was... Oh, no, no, actually, it would have been... Um, I went. I got really... I was really fortunate to go to the European Youth Olympics in Tbilisi in 2015. And that was the first time I'd gone... Yeah, that was the first time I'd you know, raced abroad properly for... And that was Team GB. That wasn't just British cycling. That was quite cool because there was, you know, loads of other sports there. And, and that, was a, that was a really good experience to, to have as a 15-year-old, you know, meeting 
gymnasts and swimmers and stuff. And no, the road race went, went really well. I think I was, yeah, I was third in, third in the road race, which yeah. was cool. That must have been a pretty big race to be the first race that you do for GB. Yeah, it was. That was, it was great as well because it was, you know, quite a hard, you know, all the national, they were selecting it off all the national round beforehand on the, on the road. So it was always like, you know, not sure if you were going to go and then got selected and stuff. It was me, Tom, me, Tom Pickock and Harry Hardcastle that were the three guys that went. Tom Pickock's gone on to do very big things, you know. (laughs) I've had quite a few guests that I've spoken to about the Youth Olympics in Buenos Aires, but no one has actually spoken to me about the one in Tbilisi. Can you tell me a bit more about that event? Yeah, it's it's not the Youth, sorry, it's the European Youth Olympics. It wasn't Mm. the Olympic Youth Olympics, Olympic, it was the European Youth Olympics. That's, that's, yeah. Weird country, actually, Georgia. That was quite strange. But it's just like a, you know, it's, it's, it's like going to a, a mini Olympic get, Olympic Games or a, a mini Games, you know, there's loads of sports, loads of European countries, and there was like an opening ceremony and, and like a village, where, you know, where the, where the, the athletes stayed and you'd go around collecting pins from different countries. It was all, you kind of got, I got that quite lucky to get that kind of games experience that people talk about when I was like 15, which is, that was a really good experience. How did you find being away from home and the traveling? Um, I've always, I've always loved it. I've always loved it. And I still, I still do, you know, I maybe, maybe not so much. I almost enjoy it less now, maybe, but I do like, I used to just love being away on camp and, you know, going to different countries. It's such a cool part of the sport. I'm sure when, you know, down the line, hopefully when I'm still a pro and I, you know, have a family, I think I'll put, find that even more difficult. But at the moment, it's still pretty, pretty cool part of the job. In 2016, you won the team pursuit in the European Junior Track Championships, setting a new national record. How did it feel when you took that win? That was, oh, that was great, actually. That was really, I don't think we, we didn't expect to go that fast as well, I seem to remember. We were kind of, it was a bit of a surprise that, yeah, that we got, we kind of knew going into it that we were going to do well. But yeah, to get a, to win like your first European jersey was, that was, it's always good when you win, win a jersey you can, you can wear. I mean, it was, no, it was a cool, yeah, again, another another cool experience. That's, you know, the, the thing is, you, you asking these questions, it's like, a, you realise, I realise, I appreciate the amount of experience that I've had, you know, even as a 17-year-old, I was going to Italy to race in European championships, it's pretty cool, cool stuff. At that point, had you done many races together as a team? Um, not so many. Again, I, it would have, we would have raced as... We were racing Holland on the track. Uh, we would have we raced a lot on the road as a team, but not on the on the track. Not, again, on the track, you don't get as many. There's not as many race opportunities. You know, you have your the championships and a few races here and there, and that's that's it. So, but I mean, you know, I, I've spent my whole I spent my whole later teenage years doing endless team pursuit efforts. You know, <laughs> the amount of team pursuit that I've done training is quite a lot. So. Later that year, you went to compete in the World Championships. Tell me about being part of that event. Yeah, so actually the, we went straight from the Junior Europeans to the Junior Worlds. So it was quite a big, big block away from home again. And yeah, that was, that was really, again, we got, we got a medal in the team pursuit, which was really cool. And then I got, I got the chance to do the Omnium, which was a bit of a, which was an honour, especially as a first year junior, to be doing an Omnium. And I... <laughs> I did leave the Omnium. I was totally gutted because I I went into the points because this was, it was it was um, the old format, so there was still the pursuit, pursuit and kilo and it no tempo race. It was the and flying lap. And so this it was the old format of the Omnium over two days instead of one. And I um, I'd rode it really well. I was second going into the last points race, but I ended up fourth. So I was still to this day I'm quite gutted that I didn't get a didn't get a medal. And to be honest, I think that was the most gutted I've ever been after. But since then, I've kind of chilled out a bit and I'm not as, not as stressed. <laughs> I was so, so upset when I, after that points race. Yeah. In 2017, you won your first individual title at the European Junior Track Championships, 
winning the Omnia. I understand that year you also broke your collarbone. Can you talk me through the injury, recovery and that massive achievement? Yeah, that was a, a strange, a weird year, that year as a junior, because I kind of, I just was crashing quite a lot. I had two really bad crashes in that year and each one sort of set me back. The collarbone one, the collarbone did not so much because it was, it was around the time my A-levels and actually, <clears throat> I think breaking my collarbone saved my A-levels because I, <laughs> I kind of, that was the, you know, was, I broke it in eight, April, I think. And that's the sort of time where you really want to start properly revising. So I, I kind of, I really, I, yeah, I, I ended up doing loads, quite a lot of work and just getting my head down and was just on the turbo quite a lot, I think you remember. And yeah, I didn't, I wasn't actually going that well in the, in the team pursuit that, and the individual pursuit in that Euros, but I was, yeah, really happy with that on you. That was, that was when I was like, actually, I think I'm, I really want to go to the Olympics for track. That was when I was a junior. But no, I think it's, touch wood, I haven't had a year of injuries like that since, but that was, that was tough. And I, it's just, you know, it's, it's speaking to people about, knee injuries and stuff that they've had it is difficult it's really difficult when you're a cyclist because all you want to do is ride your bike (laughs) for hours (laughs) is it right that after you broke your collarbone Tom Peacock actually pushed you to the finish of the race so that you could stay in the yellow jersey yeah luckily I was I was in it was a stage race in Belgium and I was in I was in the yellow jersey and luckily the crash happened within the 3k 3k to go so I I jumped back on a spare bike and he um Pretty cool, that, actually. Pushed me to the line. I'll remind him of that next time he's talking rubbish in the bunch. <laughs> so I understand that you moved to Manchester to be on the Senior Academy with British Cycling. How did you find being part of that? Again, I, I kind of always knew that was what the the path was. Even when I joined on the as a, as a talent team when I was under 16, I remember we did, they used to do races with where you the under-16s would race with the juniors and with the academy guys all on under-16 gears, which was always quite fun. And I remember seeing the academy, academy guys then and being like, wow, that's really where, where I want to be. It sounds like, a, and speaking to them, it was like, oh, this is such a cool thing to be able to just go, you know, you, you get given a place to live in Manchester and you basically train and try and be part of the team to go to the Olympics. So that was, yeah, that was always what I wanted to do. And I'm, again, really grateful for all the things I learned on Academy. It was, you know, it's the first time it's, it's like going to uni, really. You kind of learn how to live on your own. And yeah, was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were making, making quite a few stupid mistakes in my first, first months, but yeah, that sort of shaped me as a person really. So you competed in a number of events as an under 23 and senior rider including World Cups, European Championships and World Championships. Can you tell me about some of your favourite moments? Yeah, that was what was great about the Academy is that, you know, you get the chance to, you got, okay, the podium lads do the, the major championships, but you got a chance to race some World Cups. And, you know, really, that, I think that London, that Lon- the London World Cup that I did, where we, I think we got, you know, we were bronze, bronze in the team pursuit and then me and Matt were second in the Madison. And just being in a in the London Velodrome, in a in the you know with home fans that were cheering you on, I just remember being pretty pretty blown away actually by just all the shouting and everything. It was really that was I think that Madison was probably one of my fondest me- memories of racing on the track. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. I also actually got the chance to go to um, Hong Kong to do a World Cup Madison there with um, Mark Stewart, and that was again. Being able to go to Hong Kong, <laughs> not many people can say they've been there. So that was really that was a good another good experience. But yeah, that London that London that London World Cup Madison was right up there with one of the best, one of the best definitely. How was it different racing in Hong Kong compared to racing in London? Um, obviously the, the obviously the tracks different. It was a different it was a different um, length Madison actually. It was Hong Kong one was two hundred laps, whereas the London was just only 120. I think it was quite a short one, actually, the one in London. So it's a different, it kind of brings about a different kind of, different style of race, really. But to be honest, it doesn't really change, you know, what, you know, because you, you, okay, you go to these places and they're amazing places, but what you do in those places pretty much stays 
the same. You know, like you you have your hotel, you eat pretty similar. Okay, the food was a little bit different, but they had enough. I didn't really get the chance until after the race to you know try lots of different nice things because you kind of want to keep it keep to what you know, you know, because you don't want to get any stomach problems or anything like that. So then, it, really, you go to these places and you end up doing the same thing. You know, you go for a little training ride. That's nice. You get to see the area, but then you come back. You need to rest for the race, so you yeah. lie in bed, you read a book. You know, you do, it is always just – that's just kind of a shame and why I definitely am going to use my off-season to go travelling a bit because you go to all these places, but you don't really see them, unfortunately. Yeah. So in 2016, as a junior, you rode Paro Bay, Ghent Vevelgem and Kerner Brussels Kerner. How did it feel to be part of these classic races? Yeah, as a, you know, as an under 16, I kind of thought that the road was just helped the track and I was all about the track. But I think doing those, those kind of races as a junior, it opens your eyes to what, to know the, the potential races you could be doing on the road in the future. Like I think, I still was mainly like, right, I'm going to go to the Olympics on the track, but it was was nice to see, like, okay, after I was thinking, oh, after the Olympics, then I'll go and do um, go to the road. In the end, it hasn't worked out like that, but <laughs> that's just, yeah. And it, it is cool as well, because I, I ended up, I've done, I've now done, I've not done Paris, but the senior Paris Bay, but I've done both the senior Game Rumble Game and Kern Brussels Kern. So it's nice to be able to do the race as a junior and then come back and do, it as, do, the, do the, the big boy race as well. <laughs> How have the races changed over the years that you've gone through the category? It's, I mean, I think junior racing is, it gets safer, I'd say. It gets safer. Junior racing, you know, it's, it gets safer and more controlled the more each level you, you progress. You know, your junior races are just all over the place and there's crashes everywhere. And, the, you know, the, normally the, the strong guy just, you know, attacks or whatever, and I don't know. And then under 23, it starts getting, it's still a bit dangerous, but you get a bit more control and, you know, the, the brake can be controlled by the bunch and things like that. And then when you, you know, get step up to being riding pro races, it, you know, it's really controlled. And actually you, you trust, in the highest level races, I, I almost feel the safest because you trust that everyone is pretty good at, riding, you know, handling their bike. So although it's fast and, you know, you ride in a more tight bunch it's actually it's actually safer because everyone knows what they're doing how easy is it to adjust from track racing to road racing especially riding on cobbles i i think i think my problem with was that i didn't i never really went that great from on team pursuit having done lots of road whereas i was always good at doing the bunch stuff having done plenty of road training so i was i think that's I just took me took me a while to get into doing team pursuit. I think I needed to do quite a lot of it to to really kind of start going going well from it. And that was sort of that was the one of the problem, I guess. Really, team pursuit is so, um, especially now, it's so much more specific. You know, you need to be pretty. There's only a few guys that are, not, are still doing road and team pursuit. You know, you you got your Ethan Hater and your Filippo Gano. That they're just you know specimens. You know, they're they're like. At, you know on another on another level I think it's pretty difficult to be to be doing both at such a high level you rode for the Great Britain team in some amazing one day and stage races with some incredible teammates such as Ben Swift Tom Pidcock Jake Stewart and Ethan Hater how do you find working with these riders in events like Tour of Yorkshire and Tour of Britain and is it easy to get along and work together as a team that's what's really nice is I've come from juniors with Tom and Jake and and Ethan like I've they've been my friends you know since I was sort of 16 and just and racing racing with them is then is then easy you know that's what's so good about the academy is you you know you sometimes there's you know clashes you have don't get along but most of the time you get along with the people that you're racing with and that's why I think it's it's so successful I mean you know I for example, I now I now live with Ethan in Manchester, so <laughs> and Jake Jake doesn't live too far away, and I you know go around for a meal at his house. So I think it's it's nice to be racing as even even racing against them in some races is is cool because you kind of mates with them, you know. 
When you all started riding together, did you ever imagine you'd be where you are now? I don't, I don't know. It's, I don't think so. I think like me and Ethan were both in the same club. So I started, I started quite a bit earlier than him. He, he sort of started when he was 14. And I think, you know, when we were under 16 and junior, we just, we just sort of trained together. I don't, I don't think we ever really talked about what the dream, you know, what our individual dreams were. We just, he just ripped my legs off basically, as well as, <laughs> as well as people like Jacob Bourne and George Jensen. We had, that's what I was so, so great about the club and, you know, the circuit just, I just feel quite fortunate. I think it was just the circumstances that it happened to be, he got into cycling at the same time I got into cycling. And as well as all these other people who were all going down to the velodrome and it kind of, we made each other stronger. If that makes, makes sense. Mm, yeah. Being in the GB system seems to have given you a great opportunity to race in lots of different countries and lots of different events. Do you feel that this has helped you to get where you are now? Oh, I think it's, it's helped it's helped massively just being part of that. I don't know. I, I kind of feel harsh using this as using him as an example, but like one of my teammate, a couple of my teammates on this, on the team I ride for now um, are older than me, but I kind of feel like they're <clears throat> I'm more, I, I don't know, more mature maybe. I don't, I don't want to be mean to them, but <laughs> I just feel a bit more mature because I've gone, I kind of, I know what it's like to work in, a, you know, working in a team and all these things. I think because like we, I was living out in Spain with one of my teammates and earlier this year and I was a bit like, I don't know, just questioning some of the things he was doing because I think he's... <laughs> and then, I, you know, I realised actually I take for granted all the things that I've learned being part of the British Cycling Programme because it is, you know, it does teach you how to be a better human being. And it's not just about being a good bike rider. Yeah, I think it's great that you can learn from each other on the academy. Yeah, no, that's one of the, you know, I mean, I guess it wasn't just the academy, it was just all through, growing up through VCL and Herne Hill, you just learn from, learn from the people around you. Can you tell me about your stage win in Tour de l'Avenir? I think this was, that was almost like a, ter- a, a bit of a turning point, really, where I was, I'd already, I'd already won a stage of the Baby Zero and gone pretty well on the road that year. And I sort of knew that the way the track races had gone, that I was... You know, I was I was good. I'm I've I've always been a good track rider, but just not quite the level to 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 try and get to the Olympics. And I think that was that win was really when I was like, actually, if I can, if you can win a stage of Lavernier, then you've got a pretty good chance of going going to a professional team and you know go down that career path. So that was kind of where I just I just remember Keith Keith Lambert, the the legend that has worked for British. He's retired now, but worked for British Cycling for many years. He said said to me that like you'll you'll never forget that win in Lava that win in Lavanier. That was you know was probably the biggest win I've had so far to be honest. Just before we move on to you turning pro, tell me some of your memories of riding the World Championships in Harrogate. Oh that was one of the coolest races I've ever done. I I went to the early it's a bit of an early breakaway which was good fun with um Stuart Balfour and I think we, we just rode a really good race. I mean, we, me and Stuart were in the breakaway early on. It was quite a dangerous move. And then over the top of the, the green, it's called Greenhound Climb, basically the one climb that was in the race before the circuit. Like Jake and Tom were in a, were in a good place and they were in the front group coming to the circuit. And then obviously Tom Tom did as best he could on the circuit and ended up third. So I think we, an example again, of you know, what Jake and Tom, these mates that I've got that I race with and, you know, we raced well together. As well as Matt, Matt Walls as well was in that race. Another, I also live with him. I live with him and Ethan. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a, And the crowds were just something else. Even, even though the, the weather was horrendous, the crowds were like, yeah, we had a really good party afterwards as well. So you rode for Team CCC for a couple of months. Was that as a pro or as a guest rider? That was just as a school stagiaire where you kind of, do a little trial for the team and they sort of see what see what you're like. You do a few I did I think I did three three races with with them that all went no it was really it was like wow. You know you, the British cycling setup is amazing and all the stuff, you know, the support you get, but then the kind of support that you get on on the actual races in in a world tour team was just like, you know, you've got just having a, a team bus. 
I kind of almost probably take it for granted a bit now, but having a team bus is pretty cool. <laughs> and getting a massage every evening and all this, all the little things that that, they, that you kind of you get at that at that level. At the end of 2019, you signed for Borin Marito. How did that come about? Um, well, he Rod Rod Ellingworth, who worked for Sky and Ineos, then left, then left and came to Bahrain Merida and it changed to Bahrain McLaren. He, he, he met up with me and sort of said that he'd like to, he'd like to sign me basically. Met him in a little coffee shop, local coffee shop to me and yeah, he sort of said, want to, want to offer you a contract because I sort of value you as a right or, you know, all the sort of things he, he would say. And no, again, that was, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it was, Definitely, it's a shock, but it was a pretty big moment. Where I was like, "Wow, this is that's my if I can, you know, stay in the it's my job sorted." You know, <laughs> I've done, you know, I, I've done it. I mean, I've dreamed of becoming a pro cyclist, and yeah, there, there I was. That's it. Your first year with the team was obviously massively affected by COVID, but you did manage to get a couple of races in at the start of the year. Can you tell me about your first race with the team? First race with the team was actually really. A really good, really cool because we went to it was the the Saudi tour, which is not such a big race, but again in a bizarre country that I wouldn't you wouldn't normally go to, and yeah, we did we did really well there basically, and it was you know Cavendish was in the team and he he didn't win a stage, but Phil Phil won two stages and he won the overall as well. So to go to your first race and you know support your team to get really good results was was pretty special actually. I imagine it was really hot there. How did you find going from the rain in Harrogate to that? Yeah, I, I've, I've kind of realised actually over the as my in my sort of first year and a bit as a pro that I am not very good in heat and I need plenty of time to adapt. And I don't think Saudi was actually that bad, but I did um, after COVID resumed. I did Strada Bianchi, and that was the worst thing I've ever done. So it was like 40 degrees or something. It was just to go from like British, British summer weather is on one day of the year, you might have 35, but the rest is kind of not so bad. But you kind of forget that there's a lot of, quite a lot of hotter places. <laughs> I suppose the Brits have the advantage in the rain and cold though. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's the thing. I, I, I definitely am not affected by the rain anywhere near as much as, as some people. So it's so kind of 50... So it's a balance what you'd rather have. But I just need to, you know, I just need to make sure that if I'm going to do a hot race, I just need to spend a bit of time getting, you know, acclimatising beforehand. Mm. I just take a bit longer than other people. Once COVID stopped all racing, what did you do on your own and as a team to stay trained and motivated for whenever racing would return? It was really, it was really difficult, actually. I think it was lucky that we had really good weather to begin with. And I just... I had a really good time riding my bike. I was, again, really lucky that I'd moved in to start living with Ethan and Matt just as the pandemic hit. I think a week later after I moved in, you know, the, the announcement was on the TV and everything. So it was like, okay, this is... But, you know, there was the whole excitement of moving to a, you know, moving into a new place and with them too, it was actually quite, it was actually quite fun, the first, the first part of it. And then obviously it did, it did drag on a bit, but, this, <laughs> you know, I, I still... What was great, I could still go out and train on a bike on outside. You know, I, as as of the regular as the regulations stated, I could I would basically could still do my job. So the lockdown wasn't really that bad for me. It was bad for the team because Byron McLaren ended up. It, yeah, we it's no longer Byron McLaren basically. But <laughs> yeah, I think personally, I, I, it didn't. Okay, I didn't get to race, but. It wasn't wasn't really so bad in the end. So obviously you mentioned Strada Bianchi. How did the race go for you, other than struggling with the heat? Um, I I, <laughs> I think I did about sixty k of the race, so I I can't really. I did like two of the gravel sectors. I had a little crash actually early on, and had to change my shoe, which was a bit of a stress. And then once I think when it's that hot, once you go hard once, you you then. I was just, I was cooked. It was really, I remember it was quite a shock actually because I, you know, I'd spend quite a lot of time training in lockdown. I thought I'd done a good job of training in lockdown. And then I come to the first race and I just got my head absolutely kicked in and I was like, wow, this, 
quite a hard job this <laughs> so yeah it wasn't it wasn't so good that one I know you also rode Tour of Poland, Tour of Flanders and your first Senior European Championships and your first Grand Tour in the Vuelta. That's a lot of racing to fit into a year like 2020. How did you cope with all that racing? I mean, I think to have such a big period of no racing, I kind of, I sort of embraced it really. It was, and I I kind of got better as the as the races went on. I finished the Vuelta. You know, it got to the end of at the end of the world, so I was actually going sort of still going pretty well. So it was it was a long it was a long period. I think I went to Belgium because I only found out I was doing the world quite not that long before it. So <laughs> I sort of was went to Belgium to do Flanders, and I thought Flanders was going to be my last race. And sort of a few days before a few days before Flanders, the team decided that it'd be good if I went to the world. So I then had another three weeks away <laughs> away in Spain but I'm so I think I'm so grateful that I could have done I did my first Grand Tour because yeah it was you know like the I don't, without Covid I, I wouldn't have done it simply put I think the the team had gone really big for the tour and a lot of the, the strongest guys were were happy with how the tour went and, in the team and yeah with basically the, the young guys in the team got a chance to experience a Grand Tour and yeah, I think that really shaped my my winter in this this season. Like I think it, to have that in the legs is is, is good, really good. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was a really cool experience as well. How did it feel starting with all those big riders? I always I do think that I still kind of get that now. You know, I see Vanderpol in the bunch, and I'm like, oh, always Vanderpol, like always oh, Van Art, or but I think you kind of you do slowly sort of. Go actually, okay. I'm well, not not at their level, but competing against them at least, you know. It's but it is cool, especially with some of the you know the Brits like Geraint and Luke Rowe. I don't know, they, you know, because you're a Brit, another British pro. Because there's not that many, there's there's more and more of us, which is great. But there's not that many British pros in the peloton, so you just, you know get to have a chat with these those guys that I've you know watched since I was watched race since I was pretty young, which is yeah. is cool as well. We're now onto this year. Tell me about racing the UAE Tour and how it's different from racing in Europe. Yeah, it's it's really um, it's so different and kind of the racing itself is quite boring. I don't want to put any down on the UAE Tour itself, but most of the racing is pretty boring. And you, were, I was a lot of the time I was actually you know hoping that there'd be a crosswind because then at least there'd be something to do you know, because you've got to stress about the crosswinds and everything. But most of the days was just either like long, quite easy days with loads and loads of stress for a sprint or loads and loads of stress for a, a, a like a, a long, before the bottom of a long climb. So that was, that was again, though, the, you know, going to a country like that is, is great. And the, the actual, you know, the hotel was really cool. Like one of the best hotels I've ever stayed in. So I'm pretty pretty grateful for that. It's it's the one in the one in Abu Dhabi. It's a hotel that's on the F1 track. So you know, like you and like pretty much every day there'd be just really nice cars driving around the the F1 track. Which is to begin with, you're like, wow, look at these cars. They're you know they're, they're on this this track. They're just you're like out the, look out your hotel window looking at these cars. And then after like three days, the sound of <laughs> just all the time it was actually really annoying but no the, it was a really cool hotel nonetheless yeah it must have been very different from sort of riding in the UK because over there it's just sort of long flat straight roads with no sort of potholes it's all very new well the, the thing is there's no potholes but there are these cat eyes that are about that are pretty uh, much bigger than the one the cat eyes you get in the UK and actually I think on one of the days there was about four or five crashes from people hitting cat eyes. So you think they you think they're smooth roads, but actually, uh, I think the problem is is that it's so kind of monotonous and boring that you that a lot of people switch off, and then you have these cat eyes. So you're you're kind of not you're riding along just easy, and then you hit a cat eye, and all of a sudden you're on the you're on the deck. So yeah. So you've already done a lot of races this year that you haven't done before. Do you have a favourite that you would like to go back to do? 
Um, I would love to, I really want to, already looking forward to doing Tour of Flanders again because I know that next time I do it, fingers crossed, we'll have fans on the side of the road. And that's just, already it was a cool race. And I think having Belgian fans on the side of Flanders is like no other cycling fan in the world, you know. it's And also on the Quermont, every year the VCL, my old club, have a lot of my old club end up doing the sportif the day before and then watch on the Quermont on the Sunday. So the thought of going up the Quermont with them, with them watching is pretty it's going to be going to be pretty cool next year hopefully congratulations on being selected for your first tour de france with bahrain victorious where were you when you found out that you were headed to france so i've been um i'm lucky enough to, i've been staying here in i've been in croatia for a for a little bit after my last race just just training and and getting prepared basically because like i was saying before about the heat it is nice and warm here so i'm feel like I'm finally adjusted to the warmer summer temperatures that we might get in France. But no, I was, yeah, so I was here just in this, this apartment and yeah, my coach called me and brought the news, but I kind of had a feel. I, it was always, I was kind of on the long list from the start of the year. And obviously in my mind, in my mind, I was like, well, I don't think, I think that's just a, a long shot, but the way Tour de Suisse went, I was sort of climbing and climbing better than I ever have done. So so after following from that, I think the team kind of had a good, good, good feeling that it was going to be going to be good news, you know. But you never know. You don't want to. You don't want to speak. You know, say it too soon. But so it was a relief to find out good news. What are you most looking forward to about the tour? What's your role within the team for that event? Um, what I'm most looking forward to, I think, just I don't know, just being there. It's the tour. I don't. It's kind of. It's sort of. I think it. It's quite a surprise that, you know, the amount of people that have messaged me and that wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't message me if I was doing Tour of Flanders or they wouldn't message me if I was doing, like the Tour de France is, is, is bigger than cycling. Everyone, everyone knows about it. So it's an honour to be, to be there. You know, I just think just, just I'm just going to enjoy, enjoy every moment and try and not, I think that's going to be, that's going to help me, I think, because it's, it being my first one, because I think it's, it's going to obviously going to be really hard, but I think just the, the, or of being at the Tour de France will get me through some of the tough days that because there are going to be some really tough days, especially the, the first few days. I think our team want to go full full gas to try and help Sonny Sonny win Sonny Cobrelli, the Italian. He's in like the best form of his life, so I'll be helping him for some of the harder sprints, and um, and then hopefully I'll be able to help Jack and Wout in them in them before the mountains, like. As, as GC guys, so I'm predominantly there just as a as a helper, but you know, still grateful to be there. And who knows if you know if, if I'm in a breakaway and I, you, you don't know, you don't want to. There's 21 stages, isn't there? So yeah, who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? What other goals do you have for 2021? I would really like to go to the World Championships in Belgium at the end of the year. That's a big. A big goal of mine, and that's kind of in the same time frame as Paris Roubaix as well. So, obviously, got to you know do the do the tour first and have a bit of a bit of a easy time, and then build up for for that end of the season. Which yeah, we've got Paris Roubaix at the end of end of the season, so that would be Paris Roubaix Worlds. Yeah, at the end of the season would be a big target for me. What are your hopes for the next five years? Um, I think it's a Again, this is a difficult one. I don't. I think the way things have, you know, things have. It's fair to say, I think things have progressed quicker than I thought they would. You know, I didn't think I'd be doing a Vuelta in my first year. I didn't think I'd be doing a Tour in my second year as a pro. So, who knows, really? I think it's it's difficult because you you know you don't know what the setbacks will be. You know, like I, I might get injured. There's so many things that. But I would really like to win a big in the next five years. Win, yeah, win a stage of. Every Grand Tour, I think. I, I think that's something that, that I think is, the more I think about it, the more I think it's possible. So, yeah. And also, I'd like to do, you know, get a podium or win Paris Bay. I think that's, that's like my dream race. You know, that's, I don't know whether that would be five years time, but that's, that's kind of the, the big goal as well. Mm. To be honest, actually, as a, a rider that I'd, I'd happily, you know, have a career, 
the way the Luke Rowe has got cemented himself in the pro. I do aspire to be like Luke Rowe. I think he's you know a good classic rider and he helps his team out in the Grand Tours. I think that's what I'd like to do, what I see myself doing in the future. What's your favourite one-day race that you've ridden? Um, well, I haven't actually ridden the, the, the proper Harry Bay, but I did it as a junior. And I did, although it was really hard, I did absolutely love it as a junior. So I think I'm really looking forward to doing that at the end of... I think uh, from what a lot of people have been saying, like actually a lot of people are not looking forward to it being in October because it could be wet and muddy. But if I, I think if I keep telling myself that I'm looking forward to it, then I'll get excited enough that <laughs> it might be all right. Because <laughs> I think it's going to be, it has a potential to be a pretty horrendous, horrendous day out, but it's such a cool race. Like, What about your favourite stage race that you've done? Favourite stage race? I, I mean, I, I think I have to say that the Vuelta, I just, mm. I think the, just the being on a stage race, I think is one of my favourite, is something that I've realised I really like, just being, being, looked after and you don't have to think about much is it's a it's quite a strange way of living you know you just basically race your bikes as hard as you possibly can for four or five hours and then you do nothing else you just eat and have people help you but it's quite a strange strange existence but it's 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 a fun it's a fun existence when it when you get to do it that's for sure where's your favorite place to ride for fun um i think I'd have to say the Peak District. I always it get it gets quite rainy sometimes, but on a sunny day in the Peaks, I don't think many places can beat it. To be honest, it's quite. A, I think it'll be a shock to my parents that I'm saying that as a South London boy. But yeah, North <laughs> sort of been. I've started. Start, I mean, I'm living up north, so yeah, the Peak District for me. Do you prefer to train alone or with other people? Um, that's a bit of a mix for me. Sometimes I do. I do love training with other people. I think it's great. And I, I do, but, you know, recently I've just been training on my own here in Croatia. My, I mean, my girlfriend's been out here, but it's just been me, me out on my bike. So, yes, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it just depends what kind of mood. I think it just depends what kind of mood I'm in. I think you need, you definitely need training partners to spur you on on training rides. And mm. that's what was so great about me training as a youth and a junior as I had, you know, Ethan and Jacob to, if I was having a bad day, you know, they, you get you get help from them, or you get your legs ripped off. Or, <laughs> but at the same time, I do love exploring on my own, listen listening to podcasts, and just yeah, it's kind of a mix, a mix. But predominantly, I prefer riding with people. I think. Yeah. But yeah, I still do a nice solo ride is always it's always good. Who's your favourite current rider? I saw this question as I was a bit like I don't. I don't know. I don't know who my. I I did always. I think I, I did always aspire to be like Geraint Thomas. You know, like go to the Olympics on the track and then go and be a pro on the road. And I don't know. I think the fact. I think. I think I'll say. I'll say G. I think I'll. Yeah. Although the, my pathway has not been the same as his now, but I would like to be. If I could be as successful as he he is, then that would be a pretty. Pretty good job. Who's your favourite rider of all time? Favourite rider of all time. Hmm. All time. Oh, I don't know. All time favourite rider. This is gonna. This is a bit controversial, but it, I did watch. My experience of watching the Tour de France was was when Lance Armstrong was was just absolutely phenomenal. I, I don't think I don't think he's my favourite. He's definitely not my favourite person of all time, but Ryder, I remember watching, you know, what I grew up, my earliest memories of watching cycling was watching the Tour de France and watching him. And that's, I, I, I to be honest, where quite a lot of inspiration has, has come from. It's, it's a, obviously a real shame that of everything surrounding that. But as a rider, I think, yeah, it's inspiration-wise when I was younger, before... Yeah, before everything came out. There are quite a few people that have said that um, Lance Armstrong was their favourite rider and I think it's like you said, that they grew up watching him riding the tour and sort of took him as an inspiration um, as they sort of got into cycling. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I don't really remember 
that many of the old names and the fact that I remember his name is you know testament to what yeah. he was doing then and when I was watching it but yeah obviously but then the amount of story you know the amount of stories you hear about everything that was going on at the time I it's it's a difficult one you know <laughs> it's, a, it's a difficult subject what's your advice for young riders um again another another tricky one I think I think one of my one of my strengths and also my weaknesses is that I I kind of just I I mean I, obviously I I love it and I really enjoy it but I, I kind of just I'm not super like if I don't win every if I don't win all these races that I want to win I'm not too bothered and I kind of take sort of take every every race as it comes I don't have you know the highest expectations of myself and I think that's in some ways that's that's good in some ways it's bad but it's what's helped me get to where I am you know I still I really enjoy riding my bike and I'll keep doing it regardless but at the same time sometimes I'm like oh could you if I was a bit more arrogant maybe I would you know win win more bike races but yeah I think I think that's that's like me personally but I think the, the I still you know I think to enjoy it is it's the most important thing you have you have to enjoy it otherwise there's yeah you can't you can't get to a level if you don't if you don't enjoy going out and riding your bike. Whether it's because you enjoy winning or whether it's because you enjoy riding your bike, I'm kind of sometimes I think I enjoy it because I want to win and I enjoy the thought of winning. Or sometimes it's just because I enjoy going out and riding my bike and coming back and just feeling like you've had a successful day because you've done a good bike ride. You've got five minutes before you head down to the start of a race. What's on your playlist to get you motivated? I, I don't like, I don't, I, again, I was like thinking about what, I don't like these talking, I don't know, I feel a bit, not shy about my music taste, but whenever anyone asks me, I just go for the, I say, I just, I just kind of have, that there's normally a song that I've been listening to a few times and what, you know, whether it's got a good, you know, whether it's actually, it might not even be that good at pumping you up, but because I've been listening to it then, you know, for the weeks before or whatever it, still kind of pumps me up even though it's not some kind of electronic dance music which some people like to like to listen to on the bus I don't really like the, the choice of music we have on the bus when some of the like Dutch guys are playing their music it's always a bit some of the older guys every, all the guys they seem to listen just listen to like Euro dance tracks and just listen to like Scooter and just it's all I'm not a fan of that <laughs> Thank you for joining me today, Fred. Oh, it's been great. It's it's nice to um yeah to talk about to talk about my career before I go off and do the Tour de France. Actually, it's been makes me appreciate everything. So thank you. Well, thank you for being on, Fred, and good luck for the Tour de France. Thank you very much. I hope you all enjoyed this episode. A huge thank you to Fred for being on the podcast. If you did enjoy this episode then share it with your friends and share it on your Instagram story and tag at cycling.talk.podcast. You can also get in touch with us via our social media and let us know what you thought of this episode or any of my other episodes. See you on the bike.